got really, really obsessed with a band called Manson from like the oh, 90s yeah. Tobble movie. I mean, Hanson. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I fucking... <laughs> no, 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 not Hanson. fucking Hanson. <laughs> not Nirvana, no. Um, Wide Open Space is a tune. Yes. Man, yeah. the band are incredible. They're fucking amazing. And I never paid them attention before. But this week, they, I'd started listening to them and it fucking blown me away. Didn't they do a I, tune I, called Always Disappoint You? Or something? I can always... I yeah, will always, I, will yeah. Always I will always disappoint you. Disappoint you. Yeah. yeah. I, I really liked Umbop, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a jam. <laughs> Not as good as their other hit. Smells like Teen Spirit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's I Can Only Disappoint You. That's it. It, yeah, was, that's their, the one. it was their comeback album in like yeah. 2000. I think the album was Wide Open Space. It's like 94, 95, something like that. Yeah, it's, no, it's late, 90s. later than that. It's not late. I'm sure it's not I think they came later about than later than that. I could be wrong, Tom. You know more than me. Um, I'm sure they're... Yeah, wide open Flat check. Uh, did it, did it, did it. it is 97. I've, I've got a huge numbers of records from 95 and 96. And Manson aren't in there, but I always liked it, and I couldn't remember whether that was because Attack of the uh, Attack of the What's It Called, Grey Lantern. Grey Lantern. I couldn't remember whether that's because it came out in '94 or '97, and I always assume it came out in '94, but clearly '97. Yeah. Hey there, all you Kaka fans, and welcome back to the brand new fourth season of the Cacophony Sessions podcast. My name is Dan Whittle, and this episode pits 15 records against each other in our annual Album of the Year contest for the year of 2022. We don't publish our lists in December like all those other chumps do. No, we're the chumps that put it out in February when <laughs> nobody else cares. Still, at least we're covering the whole year from January to December and helping me to decide this year's scores and bringing three albums each to the table. It's this month's Omni Shambles, Alex. Hello, my name's Alex. (laughs) I tried to do Martin then for a minute. (laughs) Sorry, guys, I'm just not feeling myself today. Can I feel you instead? Oh, 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 my God. (laughs) Jim? She was like a candle in the wind. Unreliable. (laughs) (laughs) Martin? Hi, I'm Martin. Alex, how many drummers does it take to change a light bulb? I have no idea. One? It's five. One to change the light bulb and four to stand around saying how Neil Peart could have done it better. (laughs) (laughs) As far as drummers goes, that wasn't as particularly scathing as I was expecting. And Tom. She is attractive, but brown rice and Pop-Tarts, chamomile tea and economy vodka, that's a car crash of a shopping basket. <laughs> I remember that scene. <laughs> yeah. I remember Come that scene on. of Peep Show. That's what I recognise. That's the first one I've recognised. Tonight we have 15 albums that have been individually rated out of 10 and collectively scored out of 50. Only I know the results at this point, as usual, and afterwards you'll be able to view them all on our blog at cacophonysessions.wordpress.com. As you may now be accustomed to, we have full audio for each episode freely available on all platforms, as well as the video of the opening preamble on YouTube. If you want the full episode in all its blast processing glory, you'll have to head on over to the Patreon, where you can join us for our premium content, including the full-length video version of each episode. Groovy. Also, follow us on Twitter. 
at Cat Accessories Pod. Like us on Facebook, leave a comment, etc. But before we get on to some predictions for our album the year 2022 and all that jazz, let's find out if a particular song slaps or not. Don't you hate a where the jingles are crap? So let's take a good song and ask, does it slap? Who's up? I've got one. Can you get to that by Funkadelic? Ooh, Ooh yes. <laughs> yeah. Slaps, yeah. Without a question. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, There's not see? even an argument here. I don't even well, know that song, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> when you hear it, you'll agree. It's amazing. I'd probably recognise it, but yeah, I, yeah. But I like Funkadelic as well. So <laughs> yeah, go on in. Yeah. It goes in on the merit of that album alone. I was just partly proving that although I don't particularly rate the opening number, I do actually love the rest of that album. So I thought I'd get my apology to Dan in early and throw it's a peace offering. Yeah, as a peace offering, Funkadelic can have an undeniable banger. There you go. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> it needed to happen. They don't have one yet. Oh yeah, completely. I would never have gone for that song in a million years, but I love it. So it, it's their most played song on Spotify by a really? long way. Yeah, that's, that's strange. You're the only person I know. Like on this on this podcast that actually plays the game of trying to get their stuff on the the bangers list or in the top ten. So I swear, last year, yeah, like well, I put this one because I think everyone would like it. <laughs> like, you actually try and game it in album of the year. I don't. When we do our ninety one episodes or ninety eighty seven episodes, I usually do well because I pick songs that I know people are like. It's, it's not that a competition are, like, though. It's not, but it's still like if it's if, all a competition. Yeah. But if, if we like it, the audience will like it. So that's it kind of the point. It may not be a competition, but I like to win. <laughs> Look, there's always going to be winners and losers. What's everybody been doing? Oh, well, Christmas happened and uh, it was pretty busy being at work. Just, you know, I work for All Mail and actually it wasn't too busy. We were striking a lot. So I had a few, few more very expensive days <laughs> off. That was fun. Everyone support your un- local union. Listening to all this stuff, listening to podcasts, not painting my Warhammer, just staring at it. <laughs> I, I'm looking at it right now just at the... And it just makes me appreciate just how undetermined I am to do anything in life. Um, <laughs> and But honestly, yeah, because Christmas was good. Got absolutely stonking drunk on Christmas as usual. <laughs> and then got this hungover at Claire's mum's. And then, yeah, New Year's. Had a bit of a party, a bit of a shindig at ours and just got really wrecked. That's pretty much it, really. We're above 30 now. We don't, we fear the outside. And Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold and all of our comforts are here, so... That's it, really. Just gradually getting boring and more boring and more boring. <laughs> Good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Jim. Yeah, Christmas happened. And it then did. New Year happened. <laughs> yep, that also they happened. Were, they were good. <laughs> but the, the most important thing I've been up to is watching the January sumo tournament. Oh, yeah. We need an update. We're on. in the midst of now. The Yokozuna Terunofuji is still out injured with his knees after what? his double knee reconstruction in October. Unsurprisingly, he's not able to sumo. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a big issue. Needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're I think eleven, twelve days in at this point. It's been a been an exciting tournament. Only a few days left, and we'll we'll have a new champion. Ooh. I can honestly say that's probably my favourite sport where men have to wear nappies in it. It's easily the best one of the nappy sports. Oh, that's so. so what are the other nappy sports? Yeah. Which... Let's talk about on that. that. Why are you watching, man? It's just my favourite of them. <laughs> yeah, in that, the like... Uh, 
That's a dark corner of the hub that you're visiting <laughs> there, Alex. In the femdom <laughs> adult baby <laughs> egg and spoon race. Like. Okay, it's the shit Olympics. <laughs> the shit Olympics. It's like the Olympics, but shit. Honestly, nine foot the other one. <laughs> Never seen anything like it before. <laughs> Martin, what have you been doing? Hi, I'm Martin. And, uh, I'm Martin. Yeah, Hi. We know. Um, <laughs> no, I ignore Christmas every year. It's not a period of the year that I enjoy. So I worked. I basically worked like almost every day for double pay and bonuses and All stuff. Right. So that's good. Call back to that shit <laughs> yeah. Christmas song we made. You may remember that from the end of season one, I think that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was cool because when it comes around to January and everyone's depressed, I'm still like, Depressed. It's normal for me. <laughs> it's standard depression, you know what I mean? Rather than the post, you know. Yes, yeah. you listen depression. to the Pogues all year. Like, not yeah. <laughs> every day. <laughs> well, you're um, you're yeah, a lucky think... one, really, aren't you? Because, like, most people, their favourite part of Christmas time off is a bit where they've done the family stuff and all their things they have to do. And then there's one or two days they've got left before they have to go back to work. It's easily the best bit. Your entire Christmas is that. No, it's cool. I like it that way. I enjoy it because I take myself out from society almost. And I don't have to pay attention. Do you know what? I didn't hear Mariah Carey once. I didn't hear that song once, weirdly. But then I don't go to supermarkets. But yeah, um, no, I've been... Busy. Uh, you don't like Christmas don't supermarkets. Yeah. You're such an edgelord. Yeah. <laughs> I go to fucking Waitrose, man. That is a supermarket. Yeah. And it's John Lewis stone. Like, yeah. Mom, what do you do uh, for food? I, I just live off the land. You know? yeah, man, yeah. Eat berries and seeds. <laughs> Are you uh, what no, I I've find been, on the really... shelves of Waitrose? <laughs> yes. I've been really busy. My band's a fucking massive thing for me at the moment. So even when I was off, I'd be working on my guitar parts, cycling around, trying to find Baphomet, you know, the usual. Yeah, um, the usual. But yeah, my, my course has kicked in this year massively, and it's all getting a bit real now. I'm now a member of the British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapists, so it's like, it's all very real. Have you carved for real into your arm yet? I'm going to do that. <laughs> in in tribute to Richie James. In, <laughs> in massive tribute. Just been like, getting on with life. Nothing's really different just extremely busy and full of variety and a lot of music as usual you know i've been listening like i said i've been recently into manson i fucking love them um i've been also i've got a project i'm doing for myself because I, I don't practice guitar and i feel like i should i'm going to try and learn the entirety of generation terrorists by the manic suit preachers note for note okay. which is good practice so wish me luck on that good luck oh, good luck oh, yeah Thanks. I mean, isn't it, it just Britpop? How hard can it be? It's, it's, more, not glam, it's more glam metal than it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the Clash meets Guns N' Roses, man. It's it's difficult stuff to play. It's mm. really difficult stuff to play, but it's just oh, very traditional. We've just got to get the chemicals up. There's going to be some annoyance later. Got to get, get everyone <laughs> ready, ready for a big argument. There's going to be plenty right. of that. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Tom, what have you been doing? I work the whole of Christmas um, because... We don't really celebrate it in my family and everyone else in my job takes it off. So I just spend the whole time absolutely slammed doing 12-hour days without a lunch break. But I haven't listened to much music. I've got a list of things uh, to listen to, the new releases. 
Um, I had brief listens to. So this year looks like it could be a good year for chamber pop with um, Bell and Sebastian already releasing a new album this year. And James Yorkston, Nina Person and the Second Hand Orchestra. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Nina Person from the Cardigans yeah. and James Yorkston, who's done some really cool Scottish folk stuff. James Yorkston and the Athletes, I think he goes by. I can't remember off the top of my head. That's, yeah, that's, it is. Um, oh, right. Cool. There's an album that's going to make Martin get really upset. And there's a chap called On Four Word, who's done a mashup of Radiohead's In Rainbows and the Super Mario soundtrack. <laughs> That's going to be fucking infuriating. I know, you're going to hate it. I, hope I, I kind of want to hear, hear it. I yeah, I know. I, I figured you'd probably want to. It's one of those, you've got to listen to it. It's on YouTube. Just listen to it. It's called but, In Rainbow Roads by On Forbes. I'm actually well, not a big Super Mario Rainbow fan. In Rainbow Roads. But, awesome. but In Rainbows is a brilliant album. Yeah, but the Super Mario theme is probably one of the best theme tunes of all yeah. time. I'm just saying, like, the Radiohead one might be bringing it down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're going to trigger Martin. He's already triggered yeah. that that album exists. <laughs> right, I'm calling it a day. I'll see you later, guys. <laughs> we haven't even got onto the list yet, and you're already poking each other with sticks. <laughs> yes, yeah. sticks. Before we get on to predictions, I had an interesting Christmas and New Year because I spent it in Thailand and Japan, which was quite different. Thailand, I went for my girlfriend's brother's wedding, which was awesome to see all their kind of traditions. It was really hot which was unusual at that time of year. Didn't quite know how to accessorize on any given day, which is always a big problem for me. Japan was phenomenal. I love Japan. Anybody who has grown up on video games needs to go to Japan because you're walking around and the shops play save room theme music and all the trains have their own station jingles to mark what station you're leaving from and some of them are bangers yeah that's a really good idea (laughs) it's good they have it elsewhere i think they have it in some scandinavian countries as well but it's the first time i've actually seen it i went to ueno park for new year and saw the temple and all the traditional way of doing things it's a lot quieter but we experienced japanese nightlife went to akihabara which is one of the weirdest places on earth in terms of finding porn everywhere and I was dragged to a cat cafe where I had, I was surrounded by cats and had J-pop banged that in wasn't, my ears. Which that was wasn't in the porn district, was it? Uh, yes. <laughs> the cat a cafe was in the porn district. Yeah. It was just it, cats, yeah. right? I didn't well, take a look do in weird any things of the, to like, the cats. No, no. Right. Well, uh, certainly didn't have it were on they, any of the diagrams. Were, were the oh, cats sorry. pixelated? <laughs> Yeah. By the way, Dan, the question yeah. on everyone's lips is, yeah. do they actually have vending machines with underwear in them? There is a place in Akihabara that does sell very strange things in vending machines. There are vending machines that sell drinks everywhere, but I didn't actually confirm with my own eyesight that you can purchase used underwear in a vending machine. Uh, it wasn't the kind of thing that I wanted to do a whole train trip for. No. Nah. Not it's really very queasy, fight. isn't it? Mm. Well, you could very make queasy. a bit of money, really, couldn't you? You could just have your underwear in your hands next to the vending machine and just charge, like, two quid less. <laughs> You'd make a fortune, wouldn't you? Yeah. But if you're going to go looking for some used pants and there's a guy selling used pants for cheaper next to the vending machine, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Undercut. Alex, Alex, ever the capitalist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. Elon Musk over here. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of news... A couple of things have transpired since the last episode. We've had some passings. 
as we normally do on these episodes. It's getting quite depressing now. There's normally two or three people that have died every time I host an episode. But in the last few weeks, we've had the passing of Terry Hall from the specials, a very, very pivotal person in 80s pop, Funboy 3, as well as, I mean, the remarkable record that is Ghost Town. He was a great presence in that band. I don't think they were the same when he left. There's also another huge passing, somebody who I was actually getting into last year a little bit, and that is Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck was one of the most important guitar players in rock. He he was. He was one of the most influential guitar players of all time. He's up there with, like, you know, Clapton, Page, Hendrix. He's one of those people that inspired so many more technical players that followed, like your Saturanis and your Vise and stuff. Yeah, just extremely important but not one of the most well-known. Everyone bangs on about Paige, Hendrick and all that, but yeah, extremely important and was involved in so many different projects, especially in like the 70s blues rock scene. Mm. And I would argue that rock music would have sounded different now if it wasn't for Jeff Beck alone. Um, He's not one of my favourite guitar players. Again, I'm not really into that technical stuff so much anymore, but... Back when I was first learning, I really was and was up there. I listened to him a lot, along with like Gilmore and Page and stuff. Mm. But yeah, yeah, pretty sad. Did some really good covers as well. He covered Superstition, which he was actually involved in the writing of by Stevie Wonder, and covered Henry VIII with Green Sleeves as well on the album The Truth. Uh, So a variety of influences, you could say. (laughs) Another one who was influential, especially amongst people of our age group, was Maxi Jazz. Oh, from, yeah, I forgot he died. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't. Really, really sad. A great presence yeah. in dance music throughout the 90s. Yeah. Well, now he can finally get some sleep. It's weird, because now you mention it, I didn't even know. And Faithless were fucking massive. They were definitely part of the reason why trip-hop became so huge, which is a fucking incredible genre in its own right. And there was a lot of multi-genre stuff going on that the Prodigy and Massive Attack and that were doing. And they were definitely part of that. Although... I remember them being like more of the polite coffee table side of it, the more acceptable kind of side of it, less abrasive than maybe some of the other bands of that kind of ilk. But yeah, that's pretty sad. I didn't know, man. Yeah, I'm going to pose it here because I can't think of a more relevant time to do it. But I would say Insomnia has got to be on our undeniable bangers list, surely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. I reckon. Yes. yes. Yeah. Before we get into the albums that we've ranked in our top 10 that we're going to go through this evening, a few predictions on not necessarily our favourites because they will reflect in our scores, but what are the albums that we think, having heard all 15, are going to win? I'm going to put this out there. With Knowing us, I've got a feeling that Chat Pile might fucking do well. I think it might get in there, deservedly so, because... All of us here do appreciate really heavy music. Also, the chats. I really fucking hope that gets in. They were two of my standout albums, and I've got a feeling the chats might get in. Those are my predictions. I'm with you pretty much exactly. I think chat pile is going to be maybe one or two, but I think the chats is going to be number one. I don't know. I think the chats might get number one just because everyone does like them. And there's not one boring song on the album. So. There really isn't. <laughs> I think Chat Pile's going to win it. I think the chats are going to come pretty high. That's about all I'm that sure on. I think October Drift will be in the top 10, but not necessarily that high. 
that was my outsider yeah. to do well. I, I don't want to say like Chat Part to win it because I nominated it and anything I nominate doesn't make the top five. <laughs> so I'm going to go off the things I didn't nominate. I reckon October Drift are probably the most likely to be up there in the top five. Of the ones I didn't nominate, I reckon that's the most likely to get up towards the top. Okay, I'm not going to have a prediction because, of course, I know the answers and that would be (laughs) self-indulgent. The last thing I did want to cover just before we do get into the top 10, any honourable mentions, albums that didn't quite make the 15, nothing too in-depth, but if there's any albums that we you feel we've missed, maybe. Tom, I'm sure you've got something to say. Yeah, I've got a few. Congatronics International. I know it's a touched-up version of a live recording from 2011, but it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. A Totoso, they recorded it during the lockdown with guest vocalists and the track, I think it's called I Am, featuring the singer from a band called Sang Freud, is song of the year for me. Pianos Become the Teeth, narrowly missed out on my top three, as uh, Brimheim as well, Can't Hate Myself Into a Different Shape, is a great song and an anthem, probably a synth-pop anthem for our times at the moment. So yeah, I think they're the ones that I'd probably tell everyone to check out that aren't on our list. One of my favourite bands, they're called Manta. They're like a two-piece German band. Yeah, they're, I know Manta. I think they're pretty wicked. They had a new album out. Pain is Forever and This is the End. It was pretty good, but it just wasn't as good as their other one. So if I don't feel good about it because of that, I can't really put it in my top three. So I like let it go in. The hardcore band Terra did Pain Into Power. That's pretty fucking heavy. I was very tempted to put that on the list, but didn't in the end. Lorna Shaw, the metal band Pain Remains. That was a pretty good one. A Municipal Waste album, Electrified Brain. That's really, really good. But I always like their stuff. It wasn't different enough for me to love it as much as other albums, just purely because it felt like I've heard it before. What I heard was great, but if you haven't heard them before, try it out. You might really like it. But yes, they're some of the bands. I have some more like ones which like I listen to a bands I do like, and it was crap. So like Lost Society, that's a thrash, what well, used to be a thrash band. That's awful. Parkway Drive was terrible. I tried a Miss Sugar album. I thought I'd give it a go. No, I've never... was, this year, a lot of the big acts misfired. So there were a lot of albums that I was really excited for and they just didn't do it for me. And actually some of the smaller bands releasing second, third or fourth albums, I know it's good, but Zia Leonardo's album didn't live up to their first album and so i watched you from afar didn't live up to their standards nordic giants didn't live up to their usual standards i think it was a year where a lot of bands who are now they're all good records but they're just not as good as they used to be and i think that's what 2022 was that sums up my view on music in 2022 (laughs) two of two of my three picks are debut albums because they had no way of disappointing me (laughs) (laughs) it does help it's a clever way to think of it actually i didn't think of it like that Jim. We've got the Kendrick Lamar album. That's the sort of elephant in the room. It's a shame that that's not going to be in our top 10. But if we'd all been able to pick five albums, probably three or four of us would have put that as one of those five albums. Mm. But we could only pick three. It's missed out. And I feel that's a glaring omission. But here we are. Other albums that I really enjoyed and I I struggled to, to pick between the three that I nominated and leaving this one out, but Black Midi's album this year, I thought was outstanding. Soul Glow's latest album. That's a great album. I like that. That's a great album. It's mental that I liked it. 
Yeah, that is, I that is fantastic. That and uh, a fun little pop punk band, Signals Midwest, their album. I very much enjoyed this year, but had to leave out. You sounded so depressed then. Like, so, yeah, I just want to jump off a bridge now. <laughs> Martin, give us something to smile about. Album-wise, don't, like, do anything uh, weird. I can't. Man. 2022 wasn't a, a stellar year for music. There wasn't anything that really stood out except for a few bits and pieces. But the one album I wish I'd chosen was Interpol. And I'm biased. I love that band so much. They're in my top five bands of all time. And there's nothing they've done that I haven't absolutely adored. They are one of those bands that with each progressive album, they get a little bit more difficult to listen to because they just take so much more time to to connect emotionally. But once it hits, once I get that moment where I go, fuck me, this is amazing. And that happened to me, what, a week ago? And I'd been listening to it for weeks, for months, actually. I just fucking love that album. It's probably my second favorite album of last year. But yeah, it was slim pickings, really. I think we can all agree that 2022 was a bit of a blank year, generally. I don't know, man. The music I liked, I really liked. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe your genres, but my genre is all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you see how this comes out, you'll see that this is the highest batch of albums that we've produced as a group, I'd say, in terms of the overall quality. Yeah. I think only one album out of the entire 15 from myself scored lower than a seven. That's nuts. I had a, a great year listening to music, and it was really difficult for me to pick that third one. I loved Nas's album, King's Disease 3. That was excellent. There's an album by Lewis Cole called Quality Over Opinion, which is like a jazz funk album. That was really cool. Charlie XEX's Crash was one of the best pop albums of the year. Kendrick Lamar, as Jim mentioned as well. I liked Tears for Fears as The Tipping Point as well. I thought that was a really good album for them, and I think it may be better than some of the more recent releases over the last few decades i actually really enjoyed that album gemini writes by steve lacy as well which contains perhaps my single of the year bad habit but i just felt that the second half of the album didn't uphold the banging start it has and it's still not quite as focused as i'd like a project from steve lacy to be knowing what he can do from his time in the internet and also Beyonce's album. I was almost putting Beyonce's album in, but it got replaced at the last minute. I think it's a consistent album. It's quite long, which can make it a bit of a daunting task to listen to, but it's chock full of bangers. And I loved all the tracks on it. Virgo's Groove being one of my favourites, but Move with Grace Jones on it as well is a great tune. Those were the ones that missed out. So glad Beyonce didn't make a list. I'd have, I'm not a big fan of her, so I'd have, if it was a long one, I'd have been a real rough one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into our top ten, shall we? In tenth position. And scoring 31.8 points out of 50. This was an album that was released on the 16th of September on Triple B Records. And it's the second album from New York metallic hardcore band Mind Force. Entitled yeah! New Lords. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. So, Al, this is your pick. I just really, 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 really love Mind Force. I mean, you know me, my, pretty much my ideal music is American hardcore thrash crossover. And this is... Exactly that. I love the vocalist. I think. Who did you say sounded a bit like James? 
like young Tom Araya. Yeah, uh, he he sounds like Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Yeah. He really does, and that's not a bad thing. That's why this album scored highly because the singer sounds like Perry Farrell oh, from class. James Addiction. I mean, you can tell it's just some New York guy just screaming. I think they're great. I, I love their <laughs> breakdowns, and I've just I've just really liked them. I was actually like, cause I, I've been like endlessly listening to their first album, Excalibur. Like, I think it's to be honest, I think it's probably better than this one. But maybe because I haven't heard this one about 2,000 times yet, so you never know. When I was doing my research, I was surprised even... I didn't even know they had a new album out, so I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, I might as well have just put it on my list before I listened to it, to be honest. I'm pretty biased when it comes to this band. I know I literally said I didn't add some like Municipal Waste for not having as good album as before, but it was still awesome, but I couldn't put it on the list. I'm complete hypocrite because I've done it with this album. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very good. I, I just really like them. It's the exact band that ticks everything for me, so if they're just kind of hit by default. I just think, I just think it's a class album. So, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. It's the thrashy, riffy aggression, and it's now become my standard listen-to-when-I'm-running album. Because it turns out, if you want to stop running because you're tired, having someone go, ah, in your ear, really keeps you going. <laughs> and then hit a breakdown. And you say, like, just any chug, you're just like, no, I can, I can keep going. <laughs> like that, that, this album does have a lot of chug in it, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it doesn't have that much chug. It's only 17 minutes long. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if it's you know, a chug, then it's lots of chug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At some point, I was listening to it, going, "Are they going to complain? It isn't actually much of a song in these songs." Because <laughs> like, oh, it's you, just you read my notes. For, then <laughs> it's just pure chug. I did write something along those lines. <laughs> it really is designed for live viewing. I imagine. Actually, that's literally what I wrote in my notes. I enjoyed this album, but I'll probably never listen to it again. But it sounds like the sort of album I'd fucking love live. Oh, fair enough then. I'm really happy that this is in the top 10 because Alex desperately wanted it to be. I scored it quite well, as low. Much as another band. <laughs> the reason being, I just, my notes said it was like Megadeth without the songs. And I just, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a great take. I like that. Yeah. There's nothing like that. Yeah. And I fucking love Megadeth, but I need to be in the right mood to listen to that sort of stuff. And I think on the day when I listened to it, I may not have been in the right mood to accept it. And I think if I was in the right mood to be like, I, I just want to listen to some fucking thrash right now. And when Jim said about the Tom Araya thing, it was very much for me like a throwback to old school thrash, which is fucking awesome. I just wasn't in the mood, which is why I scored it relatively low. It didn't hit. The funny thing is that a Megadeth album didn't make my list. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's 2022, a Megadeth album yeah. didn't make the list anymore. No, no. dystopia from a few albums back was brilliant. I was less enthusiastic about this album, despite the fact that it's 17 minutes long. I didn't think it was very memorable. It felt like I was playing WWE 2K12 and trying to create my own wrestler. It, it was... Ow! <laughs> <laughs> that cut deep. That cut deep. <laughs> there are some really good ideas on the album. I thought Goliath and the Runt has a really good ending. Street Slayer is really cool, but it's only 40 seconds long. I just thought in the end, it's not as fascinating as Turnstile last year. It didn't have the same impact on me as that album did. And I just think in terms of like hardcore this isn't the kind of stuff that I like. I'd I recommend giving their other album uh, one before this ago because it has a lot more structure. But also, that turnstile album was not hardcore. I don't care what people fucking say. No, it's nah. not. It was post 
post-hardcore dream pop, and it was those elements that kept me engaged. If it's just pure metallic hardcore, then it doesn't have enough soul infusion or pop infusion for me for it to really capture my attention. That's purely reflected in my low score, three point nine. But I think oh, ultimate. <laughs> Oh, it wasn't as low as mine's. Mine's was a, uh, mine scored it a three. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very glad some of my scores. Uh, no, the scores wow. go up on the blog. It's not like we keep them secret. <laughs> I change them retrospectively. <laughs> but like, like, I will defend my choice in saying that. I am very glad that Alex, you got mind force in the top <laughs> ten. You know, I'm, I'm happy. happy because I like you as a person. Even <laughs> though I don't <laughs> I'd have been happier if you were in the top five. You know, if, if my happiness is the barometer. <laughs> don't, don't worry, you've got another shot at the top five. You've got two more shots at the top five with your two more picks. Yeah, there's still nine to go. Any other thoughts on mind force? No. Go listen to those two they're idiots or those three they're idiots. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I gave it like my seventh highest score, I think. 6.8. So like... <laughs> I think yeah. that more. I think that says more about the other songs, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Your description of it there wasn't particularly it was, glowing. Hey, I wrote the singer sounds like Perry Farrell, and that's cool, and I'd enjoy it live. That's not exactly a dreadful review, is it? I've got far worse things to say about some of the albums on this list. I've got far worse things to say about half the albums on this list. I think that's a separate podcast doing the bottom. Like, and it would oh, we worse. should so do that. <laughs> we should, we should do the rejects episode. Yeah, well, don't ruin it and say which one came last and all that. We'll do the. Uh... If people want to hear us do the top five worst albums of 2022, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter at Sessions Pod, and we may well do a bonus episode. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. In ninth position, scoring 35.4 points, this next entry is one of Martin's. It was released on the 22nd of April and is the third studio album from a band that actually won our 2020 album of the year. It's Irish post-punk band Fontaine's DC. They're back with an album called Skinty Fear, produced by Dan Carey for Rough Trade Records. Martin. I love the Fontaines. I think they just get better and better. I saw them live last year and they absolutely blew my fucking mind. And I was like, they're one of those bands that I want to be in. They're just incredible. When I listen to music, I don't necessarily always listen. At, at, at the state I am with my relationship with music uh, these days, I don't listen to music for the technical ability and the songwriting and all of that. I listen to it if it emotionally engages. And the Fontaines are one of those bands that are able to write a song which is literally two chords for the whole song with no fucking like key changes or anything. And it will engage me the whole way. And I will feel an emotional connection to it. And I cannot get over Grian's vocals. I love his vocals so much. Yeah, Grian chatted. Do you know what? I, I, do you know what his, his <laughs> I know. But his vocals, I don't know if any of you have heard of a filmmaker called Martin McDonough. He's recently released a film called The Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah. And he's very Irish-centric, very Catholic mythology-based stuff. The Human Condition wrestling with morality and stuff and i think his vocals encapture that kind of thing perfectly i just find a level of authenticity in their music which is missing from a lot of music they're not posers they are definitely not posers what they're doing is so real so authentic so fucking emotional and yeah i adore everything they do i thought this was a great album 
Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> of course you did. It's like somebody stuck a metronome at 108 BPM and they just played two chords for 45 minutes. It's your antithesis. This is why we have so many band arguments. It's because it's like, why don't we just groove on this riff? And you're like, no, I want to throw in a 7-8 time signature. I didn't get that impression at all about it. As a guy who doesn't think about what keys are in and all that stuff, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. The tempo is exactly the same through the whole record. But it works. Surely not on The Couple Across the Way, which basically just sounds like a, a two-year-old has sat on an accordion. I didn't like that song, to be fair. I... The tempo is still the same. <laughs> really? yeah, I didn't even good. clock it, though, because the songs yeah. are different. You know, it doesn't matter at all. That's the whole point, though, I think. That's the whole point I was trying to make, is I do not give a fuck about tempo. I do not give a fuck about what chords are used. I do not give a fuck about song structure. Did it make me feel something? And yes, it did. And that's all that matters to me in music yeah. at all. That's why I'm a My Bloody Valentine fan. They will play like one chord for 10 minutes and it's just noise and it will hit me emotionally. And then I listen to Dream Theater and I'm like, this is fucking boring. That's my relationship with music. I think you just don't sound right in the head. That sounds like a rubbish opinion I have. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I totally get where mine's coming from, but this album leaves me cold because I find the singer's vocal very monotone. I find that this album takes all of the bits that I didn't like about their last album and amplifies those. The production really focuses on the vocals, particularly on the singles. Well, I don't think he's a strong enough singer and I don't want to hear him say one line over and over and over again. I find it leaves me really cold. The guitar sounds good. That's why it scored as high as it did uh, from me. The guitar sounds good and that's I think that's the only nice thing I had to say about it. But the guitar sounds very good, which is why it got, I think I gave it a 4.9. So I totally get where you're coming from. Totally get it. I think because I'm such a fan of the band and that style of music, if I wasn't into the Fontaines, I would have said exactly the same thing that you've just said. I would have been like, yeah, monotone singing, boring songs or whatever. When you find an emotional attachment to a band, you kind of become, uh, what's the word? You get confirmation bias, don't you? And they can do anything. Oh. And I will find it great. And I totally understand where you're coming from. My thoughts on it, I gave it a 7.5. I thought it was a good album. It wasn't as good as their previous record. But there's lots of it I did like. I thought that the, the drumming in particular was really good. The first track almost sounds like drum and bass, and it's really interesting, the use of the snare. There's some really catchy stuff like Jackie Down the Line. I like the title track, Skinty Fear. When they're doing their kind of punchy, catchy rock, I, I don't mind it. But sometimes they stray into drunken oasis wannabe territory, which is never good for me in the first place. Stuff like Roman Holiday, it's like, get stoned, get stoned. I'm like, this is just a really shit version of Underworld's Born Slippy. They have their misses, and I don't think they had that on the previous record. I thought that was solid, whereas this one, they meander a little bit. But there's some really good stuff on there. I, I, I really liked it. I mean, I know Tom said it was boring. I didn't really find myself bored. I thought it was pretty good. Like, yeah, maybe it wasn't as good as the last one, but I don't know, I appreciate it. But yeah, that's really, uh, I don't know why I interrupted uh, James's opinion for that, because that was actually just dribble. Oh, you didn't interrupt me. So that <laughs> that's right. You're, well, you're, go, go right. start then. You're off the hook. I kind of liked it. I'm a big fan of post-punk. Musically, I enjoyed the album, but there's just something 
Martin said he can't go over the singer's voice and I can't go over the singer's voice either. It's just something I cannot get on with it at all. And I know Tom said he's not a very good singer, but that's kind of the point with post-punk. You're not supposed to be a good singer. The whole point is you you can barely hold a tune, but you're doing it anyway because... It's almost in spite of what the you music. Do. That's part of what I love about post-punk, but I don't know if it's the thick Irish accent. I cannot get on with it. Some songs, it's not so bad. You mentioned Jackie Down the Line. That's an absolute banger on that. Yeah, album. that's my favourite. Yeah, I really like that song, yeah. I think the thick Irish accent is my favourite thing about it. I, I just find he's one of my favourite vocalists just because of how real he sounds. Mm. It's, it's, it's very unique. I'd love to be more into it, but I just can't get into his voice. It's going to be the thing about that band forever. People will love the music and not be into the voice. It's a bit like me with Placebo. I love the band, but I fucking hate his voice so much. Mm. Uh, Green, to me, is one of my favourite vocalists. Just for that authenticity, he sounds like a tortured soul just screaming into like the fucking church aisle. That whole Catholic guilt thing coming out is fucking amazing. Anyway, enough about Fontaine's. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. No win for Fontaine's DC this year. Maybe they'll come back next year, do something different. In eighth position, this one scored 35.7 points and is Martin's second appearance on tonight's list. Released on the 28th of January, it's the third album in 10 years for Shoegaze Outfit Cloakroom, and it's called Dissolution Wave. Yeah, absolutely adore this album, and thank you so much, Tom, because not only did this album really hit me hard really hard but as you know and every single podcast i'll mention failure and because it's about that drink it's about the heavy shoegaze genre that i'm so in love with it about really heavy post-hardcore alternative rock bands that bring the shoegaze element in but don't make it such a huge part of the sound now the thing is with heavy shoegaze deftones are like always cited as the originators of it they're not it is failure they invented that fucking whole genre them's fighting words they are fighting words but it is that whole thing of a really heavy kind of alternative rock but with lots and lots of ambience and texture and really great songwriting and really strong emotion being brought into it and Cloakroom got me in listening to bands like Hum and Nothing and stuff. I, I got into this whole genre, got obsessed with it. It was just the first track, man. It's just so heavy. It sounds like a Jesus and Mary chain song to start with. Then it goes into Cocktail Twins and it's like, what the fuck is this? I was absolutely stunned by it. The album is, again, it, it is shoegazy as fuck, but it not in an obvious way. And they're not going, oh, you know, I can't write a song, so let's just kick on the guitar pedals you know they're, they're like they write great songs and yeah I, I fucking adore cloakroom so much such a good band and they springboarded a whole obsession with this genre that i'm in love with i'm glad this got in the top 10 and fully deserved not for everyone there are three piece there's a lot of droney stuff there's a lot of ambient guitar stuff going on which takes away from the songwriting somewhat when you if you're not really familiar with it, but when you get involved, you actually hear the real songs behind it. Again, it emotionally fucking hit me hard. Those remind me of Lisa Simpson when, when she was listening to Bleeding Gum and Smurfing. She's outside. It's like, you don't understand. It's what they didn't play. You know? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? That, that's a really good point because it is about that. You know, they could go in with the heavy riff, but like the second track, 
dissolution wave it is mellow all the way through and you keep waiting for them to come in with like a deftones riff but they don't they just keep I that really wish like they level. did though <laughs> yeah. <I> think, <laughs> yeah of course you did the thing with this band and i really like this record it's why i introduced it to, to martin and he actually listened to it for once rather than just going yeah yeah i'll get <laughs> around to it like he normally does the diff between this band and Deftones is this band are using the same types of chord sequences that bands like Ride are using. There's that hint of a major chord all the time. It doesn't have that sort of fit and as sus fours and add six that the Deftones are using to give that big heavy sound. They're literally taking major chords and whacking a load of distortion on. So in that sense, it's a lot more conventional songwriting, but it means that they have much more sort of positive vocal hooks guitar-wise, they're much closer to shoegaze than they are post-metal. Yeah. So they're much closer to Ride and MBV. But they're, I almost think of it more like Ride and MBV with distortion cranked up to 11 with a pop song in there, rather than being a shoegaze metal song. So I, I wouldn't put them in the same brackets, Deftones, but I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed it. That's why I recommended it to Martin. I like the fact that they've got that early 90s shoegaze sound. Although the way it floats along, a lot of the time, reminds me of Granddaddy. Yes, that's a good, actually, good reference. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I like their aesthetic of just these dudes in the North. Again, I got obsessed with Northwest American music and Americana, Red House Painters, that kind of thing. And they've got that like, whole flannel shirt thing going on. A very small Northwestern American town aesthetic about them, which I really, really like. And it's very, again, like the Fontaines, for me, it sounds authentic. It just sounds like these guys, they don't give a fuck about what's popular. That's what they want to hear. So that's what they're going to play. I quite liked it. I gave it a 7.3. I did put in my notes that it sounds like if Morrissey accidentally watched Inland Empire. <laughs> There's some nice sounds in there, though. It's got shades of Fleet Foxes and some chamber pop. A bit of cranberries yeah. as well, I noticed yeah. as well. But yeah, like you say, it's very much more on the shoegaze side of things as opposed to any kind of alternative metal. I wouldn't even consider it in any type of metal, really. Like, no, it's definitely, no, no, it's, it's definitely not it, metal. It just isn't. It's, it, yeah. it's alternative rock. I enjoyed this album. I thought it was a bit up and down. There were bits that I think the first track I wasn't all that into. And then as the album went on, it kind of won me over a little bit. I thought bit, bits of it reminded me of the more shoegazy bits of Yezu, if you remember them. I can definitely see that. That was one of the bands I've got on my list of things that it sounded like with you on that. When it first started, I was like, oh God, here we go. How long is this going to be? Like Not that long. Some of the music was okay, it was all right. I cannot get over the vocalists. If you just wanted one word for this album for me, it'd just be boring. I couldn't absolutely tank it. I think a 5.7 is what I gave it, I think. Because mm. it was it had okay bits, so I couldn't just be like, it's awful, fuck it off. How do you guys listen to it? It's just so tedious. <laughs> like, Come on, guys. You can do better. <laughs> all you got to do is like trump, strum two, three chords with some average rock, bung some guy going, over the top of it boom you guys love it <laughs> sort yourselves out. hang on mine have you stolen inspector gadget's jacket <laughs> oh man this is this is this is my podcast cloak <laughs> oh yeah we've all got yeah, i wear this every podcast yeah, yeah. gave it to me <laughs> <laughs> he said it might make me look a bit more menacing and i might get more of my choices into the top 10 yeah <laughs> it's not so, how it works 
So I'll oh, just shit. end by saying, guys, stop oh, yes. listening to shoegaze. Stop it. Just, you, just stop it. You've, right? You've been warned. Hopefully there's not more shoegaze in seventh place. Let's find out. In seventh place, scoring 38.2 points and prompting Tom's first appearance on the list is the debut album released on the 29th of April from English math rock pop trio Fez, known as With Regards From Home. Yeah, this is my favourite album of the year by Miles. I saw them live at ATG, Art Tangent Festival, this year as well. I think they're definitely a band to watch. I think Pollyanna Holland Wing, the singer-guitarist, is incredibly talented. She plays guitar amazingly. Her vocals, at times, she has Björk-esque inflection, which I find really cool. Um, And this album is just a ray of sunshine. It's happy. It's poppy. I love the fact they never hold on one idea too long. There's some great guitar riffs. It just goes to some great places. There are moments like uh, track six, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. There are moments in that that sound like Coheed and Cambria's first and second albums. There's like hints of that in some of the riffs. This is, it's just, every guitar riff's great. It goes from great riff to great riff to great riff. Her playing is fantastic. Like there's the acoustic ballad towards the end and you listen to the way she's playing the acoustic guitar. It's fantastic. The bass player's great. The time signature change up's fantastic. It really mixes up the tempos. I just absolutely love this album. I absolutely love it. I've listened to it. I've, like It's probably only got about 4,000 listens on Spotify, and I think a 1,000 of them are probably mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know the acoustic ballad at the end. I think you're referring to See-Through, I think it's called. Yeah. That's the only song I didn't really like. I thought it sounded a bit like Stay by Lisa Loeb from 1994. But other than that, I thought that the album was really, really good. They dare to try a lot of different things. Within one relatively simple arrangement, it can go in a multitude of different directions on it. all of the songs. You're always guessing, see where they're going to yeah. go next, and it keeps you on yeah. the edge of your seat that way. And her voice is great. It's a great sounding record. There's some fantastic yeah. guitar work on it. I like the ending track, Wash Out, is quite piano-driven. I was thoroughly it's, impressed it's, by this album. I think it's a really bold debut statement. Mm-hmm. It's so accomplished. Although they've been a band for like six years, and it's taken them like six years to release their first record, but it's, mm. it's really good. I thought it was musically extremely impressive. I absolutely loved the musicality. I loved the production. I loved everything, but it was too perfect. And I got very little emotion engagement with yeah it. i can see um, listen to it in a way and almost like the opposite of the fontaines almost like where the fontaines where there's nothing much musical going on in a sense that i'm looking at a spreadsheet that's been perfectly put together that's, that's the math rock in it yeah it's the math rock and i'm like this is impressive i would love to be able to fucking do that stuff hmm. and the guitar tones are second to none hmm. just absolutely fucking incredible guitar tones but it's one of those albums I listen to and that's all I can focus on is like the musicality and how everything is so well done that there's no room for any kind of emotional engagement. Whereas like, I'm not feeling anything. I don't feel any kind of like emotion at all. It's a cerebral experience. I think it's incredible and I will listen to it again. And I've added it to my playlist because it is just interesting and it gives me ideas, but emotionally, leaves me really cold i don't think i've ever agreed with martin more in my life (laughs) (laughs) i gave it a a 6.5 i gave it a relatively high score purely because of what martin said is yes technically it's good the singer's good the drummer's good they're all very good the songs are very well crafted but the whole time i just felt like i wish they were simpler not necessarily like less competently played 
but just simpler because the bottom line is they're like a pop rock band mm. where the overcomplication, like I, I, I can't think of any strong choruses on the album because of that, because they're all fitting around these looping guitar stuff. And like, it, it may just me, me just go, I would just wish I was listening to Paramore to be honest, because it's catchier and I'll remember it further down the line. It wasn't bad, but it was very much a, what I would think Tom would like in a pop band. <laughs> so not really a pop band, but kind uh, this, of. There are definitely bits in this record that I've listened to it a lot, so I could sing along to most of it. 4,000 times. <laughs> yeah, there are some really good vocal hooks in there. They sound almost meaningless. It's almost like, um, you know, uh, like the Berklee College of Music, where it's like... Oh, no. I yeah, I've said this before. Great. You listen, you, you read... Just, you, you read that's right. You read what she's singing about. A lot of the lyrics are very deeply thought out about what's happening as they're getting older and having to live in the world as it is. And there's a lot of things about age. And I think that there's a lot more to the vocals than you're giving it credit for. But I think a difference between me and the two of you is that I'm very attuned to listening to stuff in odd time. And I find listening to something in odd time the same as listening to something in 4-4. I like listening to music that sounds like it's got ADHD. No, but I get where you're going, coming at, but like, and for so, example, like the Protest the Hero album last year, that was a different like time signatures. That was about two yeah. years ago. And maybe a bit more metally, but yeah. it still had stronger choruses than this. Like, it, it's not necessarily about the time signatures. It was something that was just, mid, like Mike said, it's just something that didn't hook you it, emotionally. It, it, yeah. for, for me, it lacks feeling. And it's like, I, I, I get yeah. what you're saying, Tom. I totally get. She's yeah. saying stuff. She's saying stuff that's happening to her. But it's almost like she's just writing on a page and then reading it. Oh, uh, see, completely. I, I, I think that comes down you... to the production, though. I was with Tom at Arctangent when we saw them. And... They absolutely blew both of us away live. It was yeah. raw and mathy, and she is amazing. Yeah. And I don't get that on the album. It's still really good and it's technical, and I really appreciate it from a musical perspective. But I kind of agree with Martin. It doesn't have the same emotional impact as it did live. I think it's because it's too produced, and they're trying to make it sound like a mathsy paramour. And yeah. it shouldn't and be that. It's a record that probably takes time to appreciate as well, because yeah. I know I'm coming yeah. off it. I've listened to it twice. And the second time was a very scattershot listen. But each time I've noted that it's an album that I mean to return to because I think that I could love some of the songs, but they're not yeah, immediately accessible. And that may be what we're looking at here in that they've made an album yeah. that by design is designed to be loved as opposed to just merely it's bang at yeah. first sight. You mm. could be I, right yeah. on that. You, Martin and James were right. Tom was wrong. Go on. My final thoughts are fucking awesome album. And I'm it was good. It wasn't it bad. I will listen to it again. When I want ideas for my own writing, my own guitar stuff that fits around the band, I will. it will be an influence. I thought I was it was great. Say, I was going to say... Deserved uh, its space. I was going to say, fuck you, Al. I've got a seventh this year. That's already two better than last year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well-deserved space in the top ten. And I noticed he took a bit of credit for Cloakroom, so really he's on two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who finished in sixth position. If, if Tom's other two are in the top ten, I've got to sit through him being trying to pretend to be humble for the next six. It's going to kill me. <laughs> That's <laughs> his <won't> punishment. <laughs> that is Tom's punishment. He has to pretend to be humble. <laughs> yeah. In sixth place, 
Making his second entry of the evening, it's another of Alex's choices. Of course uh, it was. Scoring 39.2 points is the remarkably weird and experimental melodic death metal album from Necrogoblicon, aptly named The Fundamental Slimes and Humours, which came out on yeah. April Fool's Day <laughs> and is the band's yes. fifth album. Oh, man, I love Necrogoblicon. I'm really glad this one is on the list. All of the albums are pretty weird. I think the only way I could describe them to anyone is it was Black Dahlia Murder mixed with Ailstorm with breakdowns and Goblin-related lyrics. I wrote there, Abba Nintendo Core New Metal. Oh, they're class, aren't they? (laughs) I put, in my notes actually says, what's happening? It's like medieval folk synth power metal. Bombastic. (laughs) <laughs> so catchy, isn't it? Like, and when those when those breakdowns hit, they're so heavy as well. And then after that, they'll go straight into like a weird jolly, like riff. And it's oh, they're so cool. I gave this on an eight point six. It's probably the lowest score to the three I put forward. I also scored and, at eight point six. Oh, really? Which is funny because now I reckon I've listened. I've listened to the other albums about four or five times each, but I've listened to this one about twenty. So I would probably score it higher now because even if it's probably not as good it's easily more catchy it's a bit more interesting as it goes along in a way you know what i mean yeah i think give it an ultra high score purely because i thought the first song is quite weak and easily the weakest on the album and then after that just gets brilliant uh, in, my, yeah. in my personal opinion yeah golden future is a banger the best song on it for me is going to die that's which really is, good <laughs> which has got like this this nuts oompa band section in it <laughs> you can't really describe this album. It's something you've got to listen to and experience. It just takes you to, to so many different places that you would never expect to go in a, a death metal album. What it reminded me of was a band like Fishbone, who yeah. have no respect for genre tags. If we're going to shove some scar in here for a second, we'll do it. And they're just fucking awesome. Yeah, I liked it. I, I liked it quite a bit. Again, I only listened to it once. I probably could do with listening to it another couple of times. Fishbone were the first thing that came to mind. It is just pure fun to listen to. I wish I gave it a higher score, actually, because I don't think I gave it a very high score because I was in the wrong frame of mind to listen to it. When I, I mean, to be fair, I was expecting you to tank it. So, um, no, I no, think no. Did catch? I think it's the second to last song, Crack Tank Carousels, but it might be the one before a fancy win. But, um, did everyone catch the, uh, the, the body, body, the body, body holly, holly yeah. Before. yeah. Yeah. And then it ends on a choir as well. Yeah. Uh, it was nuts. It just doesn't let up at all, that album. Just when I was writing a note about something, it would change to a completely different riff, almost in a different genre. So it's hard to write about because you can't keep up with it. Oh, yeah. I have one criticism of the album. Just on. One criticism. I really enjoyed it. I gave it a pretty good score. But the production on it is fucking garbage. Yeah, I re listened <laughs> to it and it, it sounds a it's bit farty, not, is yeah, what I put is, in my notes. It is one of the worst produced albums I have ever heard in my entire life. And the only thing that saves it is the fact that the band are fucking good. I like, I have no idea what I thought it sounded completely um, fine. <laughs> it sounds like it's been recorded at the bottom of a dustbin. <laughs> no, it doesn't. If anything, I thought it sounded uh, overproduced. <laughs> a, a dustbin at a medieval renaissance fair. I don't understand what you talking about. The drums sounded pretty wicked. To be fair, man. Bad. It's just, I think it's bad it's just the style of metal. Uh, yeah. With a band with so many different ideas, it would be very difficult to produce uh, that band. I would not like want to be the singing, producer. He sounds like he's singing at the other end of a tunnel. <laughs> I love the record. I love the ideas. If the production had been better, 
it would have got like a nine or a ten. But us as singing yeah. stars. Rick Rubin produced this. It's the biggest album of all time. <laughs> I mean, probably not Rick Rubin, but actually his production's really clean. So yeah, maybe yeah. we're producing it just a bit cleaner. It definitely deserves to be on this list because I read reviews of it because I was like, am I just being insane giving this a decent score? And you read the reviews and there's loads of reviews that give it ones and twos. And loads of reviews that give it nines and tens. They're a Marmite band. They are very much Marmite band. And the thing is, every single review I read goes, yeah, the production's shit. And they go, either the production's shit and we hate it because the production's shit. Or they go, the production's shit, but the band are great and we still love it. So I I think it adds to the charm. I, 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 I think I just have a dead ear to production because you the amount of bands you guys just got just terrible production. I'm like, what? <laughs> Sounded fine to me. Like I mean, bad productions, me like is who that like Saint Anger or something like that, where you listen to the first track, and go, ooh, that's not very well done. Like it does we, depend on where you're listening as well, because I listen to things on wired lossless headphones, which really allows you to pick out faults when they are there well no um, I, I listen to no- on noise cancelling headphones as well i just maybe i'm just used to the genre maybe the, maybe the whole yeah, genre i, I listen to is just I think terribly it may produced be, i think that's probably a large part of it because as, as you described your taste in music once as shed rock production values aren't high on your list of what you look yeah. for in a record no, it, I, I tend to prefer it when it's worse so if if you could get this album and put it through a tape player, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. And <laughs> as, as a massive Steve Albini fan, I kind of like scrappy production. But the one thing that I came away with was this band is a band that are having fun with what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters to me. I don't give a fuck about the production. We'll sort right in. I'd highly recommend listening to their other albums. If you think this is under like rubbishly produced, you should listen to their first album. Bloody hell. I also recommend like you guys watch music videos. Yes, he's amazing. Because the whole band, they're called Necrogoblicon, but the whole band's based around their pretend character, yeah. <laughs> John yeah. Goblin. And it's just putting a goblin into like an office job and he ends up murdering people. It's amazing. He just goes out dating and then ends up murdering everyone. It's just the or, guy like, in a big, really poorly painted green mask. Yeah, every song just uh, ends with him murdering everyone. It's just brilliant. And he, he, like the guy who plays John Copacon, he comes, he, he tours with them. So when they're playing, they, they've got some goblin just running around the stage. And Yeah, honestly, it's I fucking love a band, man. They're so good. I, I really like the vocalist as well. Like all music, musicianship is insane, but I really like the vocalist. Just I like his quick, high pitch. It's like normal death metal screaming, but done quickly. It adds a bit of an extra oomph yep. to some of the bits. The higher pitched growls sort of reminded me of In Flames. Yeah, it's the exact same style. Mi- yeah. Mid era In Flames, like um, to Remain era. Yeah, it is like that. I think that's why I, I probably like it so much. It's all similar like Black Dahlia Murder Star, where you can tell they have to boost the mic volume up live because he's doing it quite quietly, but it sounds wicked anyway. And the breakdowns, some of his breakdowns are just heavy as balls. Unlike a lot of metal bands as well, you're ready for a good breakdown because you've had a lot of jolliness for bits and it does break up the songs like really yeah. well. Like, and yeah, I think it's really, I think probably the best song on the album is This Is It. And I think that's the most traditional metal song on the album. It's yeah. probably quite a song on the album as well. But I just, it was very melodic. And I just, I think it reminded me of like, uh, like of old In Flames, to be honest. But I think it was, I think it was really good. See, I really enjoyed This Is It, which is weird because it reminded me of Guns N' Roses. And I fucking hate Guns N' Roses, but <laughs> I actually enjoyed that track. Oh, really? I didn't get that at all. I actually put in my notes that the track Bones reminded me of Nine Inch Nails, which is... A weird thing for you to swallow, Al. If you well, like. no, not, I don't mind in like industrial sound bits. I don't know, maybe I'll soften to nine inch nails. 
I was listening to him the other day, Random. I can't remember who had him on. So oh, it's happening. It's happening. And I was like, yeah, oh, this isn't as bad as uh, I remember. It doesn't. Don't get me started. I... Don't get me started on Unleash Nails. Okay, we Alex, won't. you no, need to I, listen I, to one. Well, take a win. Everyone likes them, and they should have been number one. Everyone knows that. Yes. You got another album into the top 10. Nice. Yeah, on my one's definitely getting in. So I've made a free. <laughs> <laughs> In fifth place, and scoring 39.7 points, is another of Tom's choices. This album was released on the 23rd of September on Domino Recording Company, entitled God Save the Animals. It's the ninth studio album from American indie musician Alex G. Oh, I'm so glad this made the top 10. I love this album. I, I first discovered Alex G because he kept appearing on my Facebook with his tiny desk session doing run-ups. Yeah, that's a good tiny it, desk concert. It didn't really appeal to me. And then I was doing my album of the year listening and I went on Pitchfork's best rock albums of the year. And this one came on. I was like, well, I'll give the album a go. And I listened to the album. It just blows me away how many different things he's willing to try on a record and then make it all sit together. And I, I read an interview with him where he said he describes himself more as a producer than a songwriter. And that so totally sums this up. Mm. It's almost like, at times, like if you think of like great hip producers, I don't know, somebody like, I don't know, Jay Diller or somebody like that. It's almost like somebody like that made a rock record. Like Jay Diller producing yeah. Jack Johnson or something. There's some great hooks in it. He tries so many different things that the album never gets boring. There's some absolute bangers in there and it's probably going to soundtrack my summer and it's soundtracked my car rides a lot. I've not played this album to anybody who's gone, I don't like it. Like my nurse at work is used to me listening to this in surgery now. Runners, great. Blessings, great. He just throws so many different things in and uses auto-tune really well. It's just a brilliant album. I thought it covered... So much ground. I mean, it covers anything from sort of Ben's era Radiohead on Miracles. There's Across the Sea, which sounds like trap music, but played on <laughs> acoustic instruments, which is interesting. There's some Eastern sounding synths on SDOS, which also has a guiro that just propels the song forward. It's got the variety I've written here of a 90s Bowie album. I get that production auteur direction that he's heading in where it's like a bowie album and that he's assembled lots of different musicians to help him make the right sounds but it can go anywhere from these weirder intricate constructions to runner which just sounds like a tom petty banger it's really really diverse and uh, i would actually say runner has got to be an undeniable banger right say, yeah. <laughs> i love that album i listened to it once at home and i've added it to my playlist because i know that i will get more out of it when i next go for one of my major hikes yeah. in the countryside and i'm listening to it and it emotionally it did hit you know it was great chord progressions just great musicality just yeah everything that i wanted out of music was in there I was just in the wrong place to listen to it. I was in my room doing my homework and listening to it. And I'm like, I love this, but I want to be on the cliffs of Cornwall walking along. And that's when I'll truly appreciate it. Yeah, it's an atmosphere. So I will listen to this again. I will listen to this again, but I'll need to be in the right place. I need to be in the right frame of the right there's, right there's lots of Death Cab for Cutie and the Postal Service influence in there yeah. as well. I've really got that in it. It's a great album. I have very mixed feelings about this album. On the one hand, 
a lot of the tracks are absolutely fantastic and I don't listen to it for three days and suddenly I've got one of the songs in my head. There's a song, I'm not sure what it's called, but towards the end of the album, there's this banjo on it and you make any song a little bit country and I'm totally on board. <laughs> but then on the other hand, the songs with the vocoder on, are like, yeah, I, I hate those songs. <laughs> like, they, There's no need for him to have that on his voice and it doesn't make the songs better. So, yeah. I'm very mixed about the album. Um, I liked the songs that I liked enough to give it a decent score and didn't let the songs that I didn't like drag it down too much. But yeah, it's definitely a mixed bag for me. I'm looking forward to getting to know it better, personally. I'm looking forward to spending some time out in the countryside and just like really immersing myself in it because I think it's one of those albums that I could do that with. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to truly getting to know it I feel like it's been, I've listened to it and it's like first date and then it's like, right, where do we go now? Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to really getting to know it because I think it will probably be quite a big album for me. His other albums are really good as well. This is his ninth album. Yeah, he really mixes it up. I love that sort of genre mashing that he does. Like I say, it's got that sort of indie rock DJ shadow, Jay Diller type thing where he's just mashing stuff together. And yeah, sometimes it will miss. But when it hits, it hits so well that you kind of forgive the odd misstep. And I think that's what James is saying. But I think I loved this album more than James did. Yeah, I quite liked it. It's all right. I think I listened to this album after a long period of bands which didn't have choruses or do many actual songs in a traditional sense. When I hit this, I was very happy just to have a, a nice steady rock song on in here whilst I'm at work. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I, it's like what Tom said. It does, I think I quite like the postal service. So when when Tom mentioned I was like, oh yeah, maybe that's why I quite enjoyed it. It's that right level of like tranquil, pleasant, just rock yeah. songs. It's almost like slightly emo-y, but without the wiener vocals and wiener. And the, the, yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost, it's kind of, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah, it. And yeah. I, as I said, I'm a sucker for quite normal songs with a good catchy chorus when it comes to rock music especially and there are quite a few of those yeah exactly i enjoyed my listen i may listen again or be listening to necrogoblicon depends (laughs) (laughs) on repeat for the rest of 2023 honestly it's been ridiculous how much i've listened to them recently (laughs) in fourth place and scoring 40.2 points is jim's first appearance on tonight's list this is the sophomore album from rock band October Drift. It's called I Don't Belong Anywhere and was released in accordance with the band's name, presumably, in October. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this album on the podcast before. It's absolutely fantastic. I've been listening to it pretty regularly since it came out. And yeah, it's really good. I very much enjoy the emotional vocals. It's quite riffy, quite heavy in bits goes down indie paths yeah on quite a few songs it's a very solid album it's a very solid album i like it's, it i like it, it, it i like it a lot it's right up my street really as i said earlier about Krim, about that whole northwest american flannel shirt you know midwest town vibe going on it's got that in droves and from i fucking taunton. love it you know that. they're from taunton right <laughs> <laughs> They sound like they're from Seattle. Jim recommended them to me and I listened to them and I was like, yeah, I like this. You know, you weren't grunge broke. It was all like punk and loud and Soundgarden, Nirvana and stuff. But there was always a second part of grunge that was more 
Jeff Buckley side of grunge, which was more melancholy, melodic, more musical stuff going on, more low key sort of thing. And this totally fits in with that. And I fucking love that vibe so much. I love that depressed nowhere town in America thing going on. This has that. I fucking love it. This album, I thought, was such a homage to early 2000s arena indie. It sounds like bands like Editors and The National, and there's even moments in it that sound like The Automatic. And Waltzer takes a riff straight out of an Aerogram track off Aerogram's yeah. first album. I can't remember what the name of the track is. Yeah, but Aer- and it was like... Aerogram are fucking amazing. The band that they most sound like, though, to me, is they sound a lot like Hope of the States on their second album. So instantly, mm. I was going to give this a high score because yeah. any band that sounds like Hope of the States it's going to get a really high score and they sound a lot like Hope of the State's second album. The album do, do you know Hope what, Tom? Nobody bought. Tom, <laughs> Tom, it warms my heart that you mentioned Hope of the States. I knew the guitar technician. He was once my own guitar technician at a gig. The Hope of the States, fucking underrated band. Mm. Absolutely incredible. From Chichester, where I was, and I knew the band personally. I used to hang out with them. It's Americana, done perfectly. <laughs> Well, I'll describe it as Americana, but yeah, it's 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 brilliantly done. Like, yeah, is it Kieran Roy, the lead yeah, singer? He's yeah. got great voices, some really pretty harmonies on there. There's even some falsetto on bits where it's not as loud. It's more interesting than the average indie album that I would listen to because it does switch it up quite a bit. I think the production actually reminds me of In Utero. There's a bit of like Steve Albini. It's grungy. Yeah. Is it one guy or is it a whole band? It's a band. It's a band. Yeah, it's a band. Yeah, well, I fucking love them. <laughs> I think can they're we, great. Can we also mention the balls of a band to write a song called Webcam Funerals? Kudos <laughs> yeah. to that. If we want to talk about lyrics that hit fairly hard, most lyrics on the album are really abstract, mm. but on Webcam Funerals, they're a little bit more direct. And it, that track definitely... The, the music doesn't necessarily suit the lyrical content, but I think that's a deliberate choice. Yeah, it's and discordant. Yeah, it's definitely the fact that he wrote that is like kudos to the guy. He actually summed it up, you know. I think that last stretch of the album is the strongest part of the album as well. Webcam Funerals, Parasite, Ever After, Feels Like Home and Old and Distant Memory. I think that stretch of tracks is really good. I scored this an 8.7. I thought it was a wonderful album. Yeah. I really like this kind of... I just, I like the, you know, quality guitar is. I thought the singing was good. And I know it sounds a bit really weird, but it reminded me of Jimmy Eat World. If instead of leaning towards the pop, a punk side of rock, it leant more towards the grunge side of rock. Yeah. You see what I mean? <laughs> like, just that with how makes vocals are. Total sense. Yeah. It reminded yeah. me of their first yeah. come clarity. Or is it? No, it's not, that might be the second album. I can't remember. But it kind of be a bit of that. And I think that's why I really enjoyed it so much because it had the same sort of choruses, the same sort of. Well, that's kind of it, really. But the same chorus is vocal delivery, really. And, and but it was just slightly different music in a more like droning, grungy sort of way. And yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I couldn't go wrong with it. I'd listen to it again. With 41.5 points, we have another entry for Jim. In third place this evening, coming out on the 21st of January, is the third album from British musician Patrick Walker under the project name 40 Watt Sun called A Perfect Light. I'm surprised I, it's got so high. Yeah, I can't believe it's so high. 
It's um, a wonderful uh, record. That's why. Yeah. Well, well deserved. Yeah. yeah. So, so I before, before James starts, listen to every other one of his albums, even his previous bands, and every song is the same. I gave it some. Well, exactly. It's just a very good song. I gave it some blinding score because I have nostalgia for all his other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have been into what Patrick Walker does since 2006, when his previous band Warning released watching from a distance that is a phenomenal album it's a traditional doom metal album it's very kind of like if you took the first song on black sabbath's first album and made it slower yeah i've listened to doom before and it's not really my thing like sun no, you no, like this song. Of, it's exactly the same as this song, but with metal guitars instead of an acoustic guitar. So uh, don't worry. Phenomenal album. They broke up and he released pretty much the same sort of thing again as the first 40 Watt Sun album, which sadly you can't listen to on any streaming services. I think record label stuff. Yeah, magic. Um, yeah. But as as I've sort of drifted away from metal it seems so has patrick walker and so the last 40 watson album was a lot more mellow it's still electric guitars but cleaner and then this one's come all the way and it's acoustic guitars there's some electric guitars on there there's ebo going on and there's a lot of ebo yes there's a lot of <laughs> i <Ebo>. like that <laughs> and his Phenomenal songwriting, phenomenal lyrics, and incredible voice. I love this album. It's my it's, album of last yeah. year, his, and it's probably going to be my favorite album until the next 40 Watts album comes out. His vocal, it sounds so much like somebody, but I can't remember who, so I'm going to have to describe it as somewhere between Morrissey and Michael Stipe. Uh, I got Michael Stipe and Cat Stevens. Okay. Yeah, I, I put in my notes, it's if R.E.M. had gone through a Cat Stevens face. So. <laughs> Again, his guitar playing, I was always going to like this album, but he opens it up and near most of the guitar riff, the acoustic guitar parts, are very similar to Ariagram and Craig B from Ariagram solo stuff. It's a very similar way of playing. I messaged James when I listened to it and went, his guitar parts sound like... An Ariagrams track, but I can't remember which one. And then the next track, it's like, this guitar part sounds like a moat of dust. <laughs> so I was obviously going to love it for that. Um, the difference being that, unlike Craig B and a moat of dust, he, he builds a song over a very, very long period of time. The first two tracks are like nearly, one's nearly 10 minutes and one's over 10 minutes. And it, I never got bored the whole time. I think this was like my fourth highest score, fifth highest score that I gave. I wrote the opening to my notes on this is this is such a James album. It reminds me of the stuff he always wanted to play at open mic nights. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's a hard sell as well, because these are like 12 minute tracks. So. Yeah, that, that's what he wanted to do at open mic night. And I wrote the only thing that marked this down was the track Raise Me Up, because I think by the time that came in on the album, I'd been listening it's a 57 minute album so it's not a short body of work let's, no. let's phrase it like that and i think by that point i think i wanted something a little bit more immediate and it didn't give that to me but apart from that it was really good 
I scored it an 8.3. I scored it down because Raise Me Up was not a Westlife or Josh Groban cover and A Thousand Miles <laughs> was not a Vanessa Carlton cover. I didn't score it down because of that. I genuinely was impressed by this. It was one of the albums where you look at the track list and you see there's lots of long tracks. And sometimes when you're listening, I gave myself a rule this year that I wasn't to listen to more than two of the albums for review in a row so that I didn't suffer from burnout. I think this was on a day where I'd previously listened to another album and I was like, oh, I've got a long one to go here. It was quite late. I think it was probably about 3 a.m., something like that. And it was the perfect album for 3 a.m. because it's all about build. And I think there's a lot of theme of loss in there. And it seems to be about going for a grieving process, whether that's through loss of love or loss of a loss of a loved one. Obviously, with my dad passing away last year, it has a particular resonance with me. I listened to the album just at the right time. I really just love how the album built from first track to the final closure, which just sounds almost like waves lapping on a shore. And the album fades out with this wave noise, which is all just made on a, on the acoustic guitar. And I just thought it told such a wonderful story with the thematic. There's always all these references to light within the song, different types of light. The best way I can put this is if you look at the album cover, the music sounds exactly like what the album cover looks like. And that's the, uh, exactly that's the exactly best way I can that. put that. Yeah, no, it really does. And much like the Alex G album, when I was listening to it, I was thinking, I'm listening to this in my room in Plymouth. I want to be listening to this on a clifftop in Cornwall. Mm. I like that. That's where I need to be listening to this right now. When I'm on my own and I'm doing one of my massive hikes, that's when that album will hit hard. Yeah. And I loved it. I thought it was great. And like you said, it's a very emotionally hard-hitting album. The theme of loss is something I picked up on as well. Mm. And I'm a good friend with loss and love music that evokes that sense of loss. And it almost becomes like a warm hug, you know, when you're feeling it. Yeah. Definitely need to listen to this album when I'm down in West Cornwall, down in Sun and Cove, and the storms are happening and... I'm just sat there with a beer and fucking looking out at the ocean. That's the best place to listen to an album like this. It's got that whole feel about it. It is an album you don't listen to with anyone else. You can only ever listen to this album on your own. The word I'd use is intimate. It's extremely intimate. It's beautiful. Be the perfect album to be marooned to. Like if yes, you're drifting yeah. out to sea with, with no hope, but at least you've got 40 watts. And you've got Wilson. But no, no, Jim, good choice. I'm so glad this is so high on the fucking list because it deserves to be beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Just to add to that as well, it being a big 40 Watt Sun album, I pre-ordered the vinyl and it's on this gorgeous, like bright yellow vinyl. With the pre-order, I got a bonus single with, I think it's the first track with Emma Ruth Rundle doing backing vocals on it. So that kind of takes that track Ooh. to the next level as well yeah i want to hear that <laughs> this guy's really good isn't he i just re-downloaded watching from a distance because it's that good <laughs> top two time in second place with 42.5 points it's another band that featured on our 2020 list this one is really? alex's third entry and it is, it's the new the album chats, the chats. from Australian punk rascals, The Chats, <laughs> yes, released yes, on the 19th yes. of August and splendidly titled Get <laughs> Fucked. Yes, yes. 
Okay, well, why is it so good, Alex? Th- this is all we have to explain, right? Does everyone like it? Like, Wee. yes, <laughs> yeah. How could you not like this album? So, yeah, talk about number one now. So, we need <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the chat, they just happen to be one of those bands where no one can dislike them. Yeah. You may think some songs may be slightly more average than the awesome ones. They very rarely are. They're just the catchiest band that no one has an excuse to dislike. You can't say they're too arty or whatever. You can't say they're overly complicated. You can't say they take themselves too seriously. They're just awesome. That's it. My favorite song in the song was you know, Cigarettes Ago. And I- Price of Smoke. One of my favorite tracks. One of my favorite tracks of 2022. Oh, it's my yeah. tune. It's the best track sing- on the album. Yeah. I was humming that for It's hours, fucking awesome. Man. Do, 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 do. The price of smoke has gone up again. The price yeah. of smoke. All of the bastards that <laughs> hang by the necks. By the necks, by the necks. It just gets so aggressive out of nowhere. Yeah. The best oh, thing man. about all their material is when they get inconvenienced by something and their response <laughs> to it is completely disproportionate. <laughs> what is it? Ticket inspector. The ticket inspector's coming <laughs> to get you. They're at the best when they have a relatable situation that they're really aggrieved at and they come across like really working class heroes in that, in yeah, that like, manner. Everything they sing about is relatable, constantly relatable. Oh, Matt, what was the um, chorus for for like i drank i've got drunk in every pub, uh, pub in, i've been drunk in, in, in every pub in every brisbane, pub yeah. in brisbane yeah <laughs> which, which is even funnier when they'd only moved to brisbane like six months before yeah. <laughs> 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 well, young lads. even like the most like what you would consider the lamest usual reason to write a song about a car their first track yeah, it's a GTR. It's a car that doesn't exist. GTR. Honestly, dude, even like a car fucking song, by the end of it, I was like, I want one of those cars. They don't exist, Alex. I don't know that. The thing I did put in my notes, the first couple of tracks, there's no bass, and it was a bit weird. I think Panic Attack is where you could actually start to hear bass on the record. So it takes a couple of tracks for me to get going. Six litre GTR is all right, but it's not particularly it's, identifiable. That's kind of on purpose, though, isn't it? Because it yeah. makes it sound way more uh, garagey, doesn't yeah, it? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love this record. I scored it a 7.9, but I just thought that the album got better as it went on. Even to the point, I agree on that. Even to the point where the last song, I think, is, a, is almost a joke about that because the song's called We're Getting Better and they start to play this more sincere style that they haven't really done before and then they give yeah. up after a minute to play a completely separate track <laughs> that really jams out with some funky bass. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. Yeah, I didn't enjoy this album as much as the album before and I think a large part of that is a different guitarist on this record. Yeah, there is, yeah. And I don't... He's a little bit more accomplished, isn't he? He's a little bit yeah. more like... You can a, tell that he's a better musician. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I de- weirdly, for somebody who values musicianship, I don't like his guitar playing as much as the guy on the last album. <laughs> I sound like Alex when I say things like that. <laughs> I enjoyed this album, and I think I really enjoyed the track Price of Smokes, but I think for me, I didn't fall in love with it. I really liked their last album. I didn't fall in love with this one the same way because I think the vocals were a little bit lower in the mix. The vocals were a bit angrier about the same things that the track so not the same things exactly but on the last album i could always make out what he was saying and on this album the guitars are a bit bigger and so i struggle to work out what he's saying a lot of the time and with 
the chats, I want to hear what he's saying because what he's saying is always brilliant. Mm. And I think I struggled to pick it out as much this time because the guitar was bigger. And because the guitar was bigger, I couldn't hear what he was saying as much. So he sounds angrier. And when he sounds angrier, he's less intelligible. So I think all round, it's good, but it's not as good for me. I I think you're right. I think the last time was probably better, but I guess it goes back into not hearing him. But I don't even think about how like they, they could literally record every song on the album completely differently because for me it's purely about the catchy songwriting rather than any level of production yeah. the yeah. even if they went full-blown like queen and just overproduced the shit out of it i would still love them yeah. just as much not having a go at the production i think the production on this album made it sound a lot like jet at times um i just want oh. to hear i did i just want to hear his vote. I just want his vocals front and center because I want to hear what he's saying, and I didn't feel like I could the whole way through this album, whereas I did on the last one. No, I, I, I get think that. that's. I think that's the oh, that's the thing that marks this album down. There's moments on it like the Price of Smokes, his vocals front and center, and that's why it's the strongest song because mm. his vocals are clear. And I felt that a couple of times they weren't, and that's the only reason I marked this album down. Other than yes. that. Really enjoyed it. It definitely deserves to be in the top 10. I hear what you're saying, and that's the reason why I love the Fontaine singer so much. It's the same way I love the Chat singer so much. I love that Australian strong accent. You know the guy has a mullet, and you know that well, he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. And I love that. The only note that I made about this album, and I gave it a strong 10, was authenticity. It is authentic as yeah. fuck. It is what it is. And if you don't like it, fuck off. If you do, then this is what we're talking about. This is what we're singing about. Well, the album's called means... Get Fucked. It's called Get Fucked, yeah. I will attest, I don't like that whole, like, just three chords song punk thing. I'm not really into that. Musically, it's not my favourite thing. You like uh, two I chords, just... don't you? Yeah, yeah, I like a two chord. <laughs> just you one. A 180 BPM. Not... Yeah. yeah. When I... I think this is the one of the most fun experiences i've had with music for such a long time i was literally cracking up listening to it, it is funny i was laughing my fucking head off i was like this is exactly what i need no pretense no trying to be something yeah the price of smokes have gone up you know it's like yeah fucking, yes of course they have with this album i found that as well this was one of the when i was going through like just doing research for right what is my favorite album because i gave this my highest score i think i gave it 9.1 it was one of those ones where I listened to all these albums, listened to like 50 fucking albums. And then I went, oh, I should listen to that new chat album, actually. I haven't done that one yet. And I was like, and I was like, oh, well, oh, well of course, that's the best of the year now. Like, I might, <laughs> like, that was it. Just like, oh, right, it's just way better than everything. Brilliant. <laughs> like, it was, I was almost disappointed. I was like, oh, I guess I'll pick the chats again. <laughs> they're almost like the ultimate punk band in the sense that they're not trying to be political. Even though when you look at a song like Price of Smokes going up, it is political because yeah. of the cost of living crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's relevant. Like, it's it's gotta go it's relevant. I can't afford to buy my smokes, man. It's fucking beautiful in the sense that it's so authentic, but it there's an underlying sense of intelligence and knowing what's going on in the world and knowing about the idea of falseness. I- and the chats go against that completely and go. No, this is what's going on. I'm a fucking mulleted Australian. You know, it's, it's fucking beautiful. What an album. What an album. Should have been number one. What they're doing now is about as far as you can get with pub sort of punk music. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. where you're like 
halfway up the set to other local bands and stuff. They just yeah, happened yeah. to get massive off one YouTuber song, Smoker, and now they're just really big because it's yeah. awesome. I think people like this type of music at the moment because it's just a bit refreshing. Especially yeah, the, it is like, refreshing. The list we had for this one, there was a lot of droning rock or soft rock, and it was very, like, uh, not artsy, but you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, it's quite yeah. deep music, a lot of it. The chats are always going to get a better score on any list it's on because it's, like, black and white compared to... The other stuff, really, any of the other stuff. It's accessible. I love it. I think it's not as good as their last album, but that's just a testament to how good the last album was. It's fun and it's just Aussie punks doing Aussie punk. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's the I, Ron, I can, Ron seal of punk albums. They're Australian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the singer's from Denmark, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, if he was, we'd be, be, be all like, bravo, bravo. You, you, had, me, you had me fooled. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm looking forward to them doing more stuff. I can listen to this all day and yeah. not get bored. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It, it would totally cheer me up. I'm on my way to my shit job that I fucking hate. This is what I want to listen to. But there is one more album that was ranked higher than the chats, though. It's time to reveal tonight's winner. Album of the year for 2022, the winner, scoring a whopping 44.8 points. It's an album that came out on the 29th of July on the Flenser record label. A truly brutal noise rock sludge metal experience from oh. Oklahoma. It's Tom's oh pick, God. Chat Pile, oh. with God's Country. Yes. I yes. can't believe that finally what? I nominated Me. an obscure metal album and it makes the top 10. I've nominated an obscure metal album every year and it's never got in. And now I nominate when it gets in. I was going to put Black Country Road on the list. I was doing my final homework and I was listening to Pitchfork's a list of rock albums this year and this album completely passed me by. And I put this on and Slaughterhouse came on and my mind was fucking blown mm-hmm. within the first couple of seconds. And then you listen to the rest of the album and it's absolutely brutal. Yeah. And the vocalist, there's echoes of Big Black in his vocals. He sounds like he's having a mental breakdown the whole way through the record. Yeah. They're making a political statement. And on the second track, which Why? is probably most straight up, he's not even trying to mask the fact He's making a political statement. It's about homelessness. Yeah, it's about homelessness. And it is so obviously about homelessness. He's not trying to dress it up. He is a guy having a mental breakdown, literally going, why do people have to live outside? What the fuck is It's amazing. It's amazing. It's absolutely harrowing. And then they're called Chat Pile after piles of toxic waste outside, is it Pilsner or Piker, Oklahoma, which is now uninhabitable in an area the size of Chernobyl because of the way that mining was being conducted. They're a band making a fucking statement, and this album is a fucking statement. The guitars are massive. There are elements of new metal in the guitar, but also elements of shoegaze and post-metal. The bass tone is staggering throughout mm-hmm. the whole record. Just listen to this album. It's got to be on my list. I was like, Dan will hate it. <laughs> and then no. Dan sends me a message going, 
yeah, this album's really good and it's probably going to win. I predicted this as the winner after ranking only about five albums. I thought this is going to grab everybody. I think for me, the highlight of the album is actually the track where it actually takes his foot off the gas. I don't care if I burn, which just uses footsteps for rhythms. And then there is a scream that comes in. Very dark ideation in the song. And it's overwhelmingly depressing as you describe he's yeah. having a mental yeah. breakdown sometimes this album on at a party no 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 a- but it uses the atmosphere and the haunting footsteps as the percussion on the track and he's just essentially doing a poem that's really fucking creepy it's so dark i love the album now you'll have noticed though that in the top 10 I failed to get any (laughs) of my records in the top 10, Eliza, Mama's Gun or Wolfpack. So I thought I'd do my best to try and maybe ruin Chapal by saying the singer does sound a lot like Jim Steinman. Uh, uh, so good luck listening to chat pile now that you can hear Jim Steinman of meatloaf fame on that. That was my attempt to sabotage it. I, I love the record. I thought it was great. <laughs> my experience with Chatpile, I was not looking forward to it. I saw the album cover and I fucking love the album cover. It's just this industrial, like, you know, all the fucking antenna stuff going on and the electrical stuff. With that I, weird I fucking loved it. Logo. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like the logo so much, but I loved the cover. And I was like, yeah, that it cover rem- grabbed me. It's very reminiscent it, it, of how it, David Lynch uses pylons. Yes. In- I'm glad you said David Lynch because I immediately I went straight to David Lynch land. Yeah. With well, of course album. we're going to do that then. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that album cover so much. That right there encompasses like everything I love about bleakness. And anyway, when I first heard the first Suicide album, which is the only other album that's really disturbed me, and the song Frankie Teardrop, yeah, it's the scariest song ever written, right, in my opinion. Fucking really sent me on a wave of, like, crazy depression for a while because it's, it's such a dark song. This whole album is that. It's the only album I've heard since the first Suicide album that's made me go, fuck me, this has affected me, but not in a good way. Like <laughs> Alex, the Alex G album earlier affected me in a good way or Fontaine's or whatever. But I was just like, oh my God, I'm actually genuinely fucking depressed listening to this. And I loved every second of it because, it, again, going back to authenticity is all that. And the song Why, it's just like, why Why should people live outdoors? There's buildings all around with heating on. It's so simple, so fucking like straight to the point. There's no poetry to it. Why should this be happening? You know, it's a guy in total despair of the fact of the homelessness crisis. And it's like, they're so fucking true. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so it's you so know? apt that it's come out now yeah. when we're having a cost of living. I know. I, I was walking through Plymouth at the time, listening to it and seeing homeless people in the underpass, and I'm like, "This is fucking too much." Yeah, <laughs> like, don't don't, <laughs> don't let them listen to that record though, no, because they won't have much hope after that. That's the thing that I liked about the album is that it is the absolute bereft feeling of hope it makes the downward spiral sound like a lullaby quickly talk about the musicianship the heavy guitarists sound fucking awesome or oh, i love post hardcore so much it is fucking that that's right in my realm right there it's the heavy bass 
The production is amazing. That's exactly sums up my feeling on the world right now. The world is fucked and it's fucking a mess. And it's like nobody cares about anybody anymore. And this band are encapsulating it perfectly. On the musical side of it, though, the amount of new metal that is going on this album, like the yeah. rattly bass, <laughs> yeah. it's like corn bass, but then there's some like slapping going on. It reminds me a lot of Mudvayne's bass yeah. back in the day. And when new metal went away, everyone thought, well, new metal's gone away because new metal was always a little bit shit, wasn't it? And, <laughs> and that's been the consensus ever since new metal went away, yeah. that it's just yeah. a bit shit. But actually, this album proves that new metal didn't go away because it was shit. No. New Metal went away because people weren't doing it right. Mm. And this band <laughs> yeah. are doing it right. This yeah. is what New Metal should have I, always I, been. Actually, Jim, you hit the nail on the head right there. Yay. I think New Metal was talking about the wrong things. They're talking about, like, I don't want to clean my room. I want to break stuff. When actually what, they sh- what New Metal should have been talking about was why do people live outdoors you know new metal lost its way in the sense it was it was too much inward looking Uh, instead of going let's look at society new metal needed to focus less on fred durst and more on bear grills (laughs) (laughs) i think it, it actually gives a little bit of hope through this album because it's showing signs that society is moving away from a hyper-individualistic way of looking at things like they did in the late 90s. And maybe because of all the shit that's happening, we are now stepping towards a society where collective action is becoming more normal. And because of that, people are taking a broader perspective on issues like homelessness, which is a great thing. So if this album, as bleak as it is, brings a little bit of hope in terms of what we got coming and the movements people are going to get behind then i think this is not just a great record but a helpful one too yeah i think it does highlight social issues rather than the, like you said dan quite rightly the hyper individual individualistic attitudes like we already had that with grunge we already had that with nirvana i'm depressed i'm going to kill myself whatever uh, but moving forward it needs to be like, like a true psychologist yeah, yeah well no no it's true what, what we need is we need we need people to talk about the wider social issues that contribute to the individualistic stuff there always have been bands that have done that Radiant oh yeah did it patty smith did it um bob dylan did it you know it, it's it's been happening and i think this band's just put it in a way that works for now yeah I'm like, not saying they're like, the first yeah. band to ever do it, but they're no, resonating they're with society. Yeah, they are resonating now. The thing, the thing that's going to be interesting is how well is this record going to age? Because, like, a lot of the time, these records that encapsulate a period of time don't yeah. necessarily age well. So I'd really like to review this in, like, 2032 if the world hasn't ended. But, but, <laughs> homelessness won't be fixed by then, so <laughs> it'll, it'll be fine. I think it will last purely because <laughs> even without the... Subject matter, which obviously is, you know, a big part of it, but an album about a guy almost having a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if he was fucking like talking about Caesar being a dick, how old it is. It's still going to be a guy having a mental breakdown and then yeah. be emotive, you know? I just wanted to mention the drum sound on the record because it's recorded predominantly on an electric drum kit without a click track, which mm-hmm. I thought was a bolt, apparently, which is a bold move. Which is why the drums sound really 1980s on the intro <laughs> to the first track. I just thought well, that was a really yeah. interesting way to record drums. I did say at one point in my notes, it says it sounds like if Killing Joke came out now. 
It is a little I mean, bit like that. Yeah, I can see that. Most drums now are fully triggered in the studio. It's very rare they will actually have a proper drum sound anymore. So that's not even that weird anymore. <laughs> what do you know about drums, Al? <laughs> a little. Please help me. <laughs> it's the recording it without a clip track that's quite an odd thematic choice. Well, I think we, we do odd thematic choices particularly well on this podcast. Uh, so 2020's winner was Fontaine's DC with A Hero's Death. 2021 last year was Turnstile with Glow On. And 2022's winner is God's Country by Chat Pile. I think that's a worthy winner. As we've said, it's quite bleak, but there's a lot to be taken from the album. We're going to wrap it up there. Those are our thoughts on 2022 and its offering of albums. We'll be doing this again next year, but... We'll be back way before then because we've got a Beatles episode to cover in February. So we will see you then where we'll be discussing our favourite Beatles songs, albums, Beatles and covers and various other things. Make sure you continue to follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, the blog, YouTube, you name it, we're there. 2023 is going to be a good year for the Cacophony Sessions. We've got a lot more stuff coming out on YouTube in the coming weeks. So keep an eye on our our various pages and blogs to stay updated. Until next time, my name is Dan Whittle. I'm incredibly disappointed that these guys did not like any of my albums. So I'm going to sulk now for the next few weeks. (laughs) I liked one of them. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, some of you have taste. Some of you don't. Stay buggy! (laughs) Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right.